Is podcasting killing public radio? This is what I was asking myself last Thursday night when I went to a panel discussion with some of the most famous podcasters in the world. The star-studded cast included Elise Spiegel of Invisibilia and This American Life, Alex Bloomberg, CEO of Gimlet Media, formerly of This American Life, Sarah Koenig, producer of Serial and This American Life, and Benjamin Walker, not of This American Life, but co-founder of the Radiotopia Network and his own podcast called The Theory of Everything. David Carr of the New York Times hosted the event. So at the beginning of the night, they talked about the differences between the old public radio model and the new podcasting model and how these differences affected form and content. Oh, and I should also mention one more thing before we get going. You won't hear very much from David Carr or Benjamin Walker because unfortunately the audio got screwed up. The first two people that we hear clips from are Sarah and Elise. Like, you, we don't know yet what you can do with this medium. And, um, and there are some indications that you can do things that you clearly cannot do on radio. Oh, there are opportunities here to, like, for depth. What I'm, I guess I'm trying to say is I feel like it's fed by the freedom yeah. that I felt doing a podcast. Can you give and how much and, and where can you go? I think, like, Serial made me think differently about, oh, people really can handle this amount of detail and 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 then there's this podcast called strangers where where leah tao did this love hurts series which was unbelievably intimate like it would never really get on the radio so it seems like there are three things about podcasting that producers like the first thing is that there's unlimited time and time dictates content If you have to fill an hour, but you only have 30 minutes of material, there's 30 minutes that's probably not going to be great. Likewise, if you have an hour of material, but you only have 10 minutes, you really got to squash it to fit it into the public radio mold. Two, you don't have anybody telling you you can't do something edgy, do something racier, pursue something riskier. Three, money. So after the event the other night, everybody went out to the bar and I came along and I ended up talking to this senior producer at This American Life and he was telling me he felt so bad for these guys at Radiolab because they make $40,000 a year and they're working 60 and 70 hours a week really working hard to produce a great show that people really listen to but the money is just not worth it and they can't keep people there and they're going to keep losing them as long as they they keep paying them less than they're worth so this is what Alex Bloomberg said about it I, there was a weird moment in, uh, my, <laughs> um, where, where we like, started bringing in revenue, and, um, and I found it weirdly intoxicating. After 15 years in the, pub, in, in, in the not-for-profit sector, I was like, look, there's, a, there's money. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. And then next, Alex talks about advertising. Um, but I mean, I think there's definitely more flexibility, like when to to sell ads. You can actually call them ads, uh, which you can't really call them in public radio, even though they're essentially function like ads. But you call does, them underwriting. Does, does yeah. Like call them ads. Yes. Yeah. They're they're advertising. Yeah. It's advertising. It's an advertising supported supported business. But I but I feel like there's lot, lots and lots of excellent journalistic media that is that is advertising supported. Then Alex points out some of the things that public radio does pretty well. But I think if you actually look at the business model, public radio convinced 10% has for the past 30 years convinced 10% of their audience to stop the car and give, you know, and, and, and donate money. And it's like a hundred and something dollars a year on average that most people do. 10% of the audience. And like once I started going out and raising money and saying I'm starting this media business and talking to investors... And I, they, I would say, yeah, and, and part of our business plan is that we're going to do this freemium model where we're going to ask some of our listeners to sort of support us and, you know, do it differently than public radio. But it's essentially the public radio model. People would say, like, how, how many, what's your conversion rate going to be? And I would say, I don't know, public radio is getting 10%. And they were like, 10%? Like, in the venture world, you're lucky if you get half a percent of people that, can, that, that you know, like, of people that do anything. And so, so I think that same, like, like uh, that bond that you feel with when you're listening, and I feel and everybody feels with the shows that they love, um, is, is, I think is sort of built in. And that's, that, comes, that, that public radio was capitalizing on that for a long time. And if you think about what they did, they spread without, there's not been a dime spent on marketing in public radio since I've been there. Nobody, they've never put a subway ad up. They've never did a big marketing campaign. And they got like 38 million people listening to them. So what does all of this actually mean for public radio? David Carr says that for the first time in public radio's history, listenership has decreased. <laughs> this is Elise Spiegel. It wasn't very many. I, my consumption of public radio has gone down, of the new shows, goes down as I listen to more podcasts. Yeah. If I am a measure of anything, which I'm probably not, but still. So the reason why it's such a problem that the two of these mediums share the same audience is because they're both still essentially listener-supported. This is Sarah Koenig. We don't know, right? I mean, it's... It, it, I guess it depends on the metric. Like, it's a money question, right? And so is, is how do you... How do we measure that? I mean, I worry about, but is it just like, do we have to just wait and see, like, oh, are, are all these people are giving to podcasts? We're asking, depending on the funding model, right? But we're asking for money. We're getting the money in some cases. But are fewer people giving to public radio? That's what I don't know. This is Alex Bloomberg. I feel like what's happening in audio is the stuff that has happened in other media already like it happened a decade ago it happened to newspapers and it happened to t- tv and there used to be three networks and now there's 500 t- channels and a, a big audience in tv used to be 30 million and now a big audience is 5 million which is you know what these guys get on a podcast so i feel like uh and and and, I, and radio was protected from that because most listening happens in cars and cars didn't update their technology but now they are then alex talks about the question more directly but I do feel like, like this gets back to the nation of like, are we destroying public radio or not? And like, I feel like if what we're talking about by public radio is like compelling audio programming, then no, we're like, we're saving it. If we're talking about like radio stations that are delivering a terrestrial signal to people in their cars, I don't know how long that's going to last. And I feel like the the system, the type of programming that grew up around radio signals delivered to people in their cars was by necessity a certain type of programming, which was sort of like short, easily digestible. If you missed it, 
you didn't have to hear the thing that came before, and if you missed it, you could pick up on the thing that was coming next. And, like, that is what the great freedom although, is. Although This American Life wasn't that. Well, This American Life was, like, pretty weird and revolutionary in that it was the sort of the first appointment radio, really. And I mean, Garrison Keillor probably, too, to a certain extent. But, like, that was, like... Like that was a pretty that was the that was the exception, not the rule. And in podcasting, that is the rule now. Like that, you can it's get it's the fact that you can listen that anybody can listen anywhere at any time is like that is the most freeing thing I think of all about it. After the event concluded, I talked to Sarah and Alex, and I asked them what they were doing next. Oh, I <laughs> know. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't answer that question right now. Uh, we're trying to make some shows. We're going to try to make a, lo- uh, a couple more shows. We're going to get the shows that we have up and running. And, and um, uh, you know, we're, we've, we have more programming coming down the pike. I'd like know. to go have a drink. Right. And then, um, no, we are, we're, we're trying to find a story for season two. Oh, so, so you, haven't, you haven't found one yet? No. And are you, are you taking submissions? Or? Sure, yeah. yeah. You got some? So to me, this is kind of a typical story, actually, of pioneers who don't always know or really have any idea ever if what they're doing is going to work out. And we all just have to kind of wait and see. This is Adrian Wagner from WNSR New School Radio. Thanks for listening. And also... If you would like to submit a pitch to Serial, the email address is info at serialpodcast.org. Talk to you next time.